the Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. All right, football fans, welcome back to another episode of the Underdog Podcast where we talk G5 football and only G5 football for Underdog Dynasty. And this is another round of what we've been calling Joe Talk, and that's me, Joe Serpico. Other side of the mic is my man, Joe Brobeck. What's up, bud? Not much. It's been a while since we've recorded and uh, actually... That's not true. Yeah, I was going to say that's not true. We just suck at technology. Well, I don't. That's on your end. Okay, touche. You got me there. (laughs) Yeah, so I guess we will maybe bring up some of the things that we talked about on that last podcast because it kind of sucks. We did talk a lot of good things, so maybe we'll talk for a few minutes about what we said there. But the main agenda for for this podcast is – we're going to basically break down the two biggest names in the conference, well, at least at quarterback. Well, I guess now nah, I guess now with Oliver gone, I guess we can say it is the two biggest names in the conference. That would be Houston's uh, Derek King and UCF's Mackenzie Milton, and there's plenty to talk about because both are coming off injury. We will each give two that we consider bold predictions early. It is very early to be given some predictions, but we're going to do it anyways. And then we're going to wrap it up talking a lot of news coming out of uh, Memphis as of late. Their uh, athletic director and president had a lot to say lately. But let's get it started with, like I said just a minute ago, let's talk about King and Milton, who, well, Milton is now the two-time reigning offensive player of the year. King probably... Could have gotten it if he didn't get hurt those last two games. And you would have to think that King is probably the front runner to to win it this season, considering that there's a possibility, and we'll talk about this a little bit more now, that Mackenzie Milton doesn't even get to play this year because of his injury. But well, who else would you put near in King's level? I'm trying to think of who else is going to be in competition with because King's going to get passing touchdowns and rushing touchdowns. And I don't think any like running back or receiver is going to compete with them for, for that spot. I have no arguments. I think the only person that could potentially potentially do it is whoever ends up being this UCF quarterback. You really think Brandon Wimbush or Dariel Mack, DJ Mack, whatever is going to compete with, I mean, Mack was solid, but he wasn't, he wasn't Milton. Well, how do we know? We only got to see him for a game and a half. Well, from what I mean, if you watched, oh, I get, I don't know. I just don't see that same, the same special talent. But I don't. And then Wimbush, like, I don't. He's he's inconsistent, so I don't see him being just all of a sudden a superstar. Well, no arguments there, but we've talked about this in the conference being, or I should say, not having any defenses, really. So maybe maybe Wimbush comes into the American and just lights it up. But then again, USF fans thought the same about Blake Barnett. So How it's... did Milton win Offensive Player of the Year? I mean, his stats were good, but compared to King... I mean, King scored 50 touchdowns total. Right. Like, As opposed to, I uh, have the numbers for where have Milton's Milton had. We can do some math real quick. He only had 34. Yeah, that's so he, a huge difference. It is a huge difference. And what, King played what, one, two, three? King played, a, they, it's only a one-game difference. A le- yeah. It's only a one-game difference between the two. So, yeah, it, it did shock me, actually. And that, King played le- one less game, right? No, King played one more game. Played one more game? Yes. Not that he should... I mean, he shouldn't be punished for that. I don't think, at least. But obviously he was. I think it had more to do... It's, you know... First off, they didn't make it to the championship game. I think that's, you know, that's the main reason. Oh, Milton, was Milton suspended for a game? There was a game, no, there, remember there was like that random game that Milton sat out that was, yeah, he was like, we speculate for injury, but we really don't know. We, yeah, we don't, okay. We don't really know, yeah. 
whatever. But, I mean, just looking at the numbers this year, last year he was totally deserving. But his numbers this year were not nearly as impressive as last year. No, and the, I mean, no offense to the team, but the team wasn't nearly as impressive as last year. And no arguments there as well. But I guess, you know... I guess the we difference can talk is King's going to come back this year and Milton would be lucky to play the last but, game or two. But yeah, that's the thing. So we don't even know if Milton's going to... And, I mean, you mean you mentioned Wimbush. He might be the third best quarterback on the roster. When you know, Once Milton's healthy. So who knows if he even gets to sniff the field. I'm not super impressed with him, but... Maybe I mean, he's going to get an out. opportunity, obviously. Otherwise, you know, he wouldn't be making the the transfer there. Right. So I mean, it's a per- it's a good fit because they his skill set matches what they want to do, and they have an opening. To technically, have an opening, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Does the and here's the thing with Notre Dame is if you view them as power five and then the AAC is a step below, like it should be better for him, but obviously it's going to come down to how well he can pass, which is the same thing with Mac. It's how well can they pass the ball? How accurate can they be? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's no argument that they have the athleticism. Well, we could actually say they're both probably more athletic than Milton is. They're better runners. Maybe. But there's no say, doubting that Milton is a way better passer. I mean, we saw some of those passes that he threw just past two years, and there's some very pretty passes. I would say that that Milton didn't run as much this year because they realized how valuable he was. I mean, you saw there's there's definitely a drop off from Milton to Mac. It's not a huge <laughs> drop off, but it's enough where Milton's definitely a starter. Obviously, there's a reason why he's starting the game, but I think he can run. They just chose not to run him as much this year. Like two years ago, they were running quarterback runs, designed quarterback runs for him. And this year they did more read option so that he has a chance to run, but they're not exactly putting the ball in his hands as many times as they did two years ago. And I think that actually not helps, but it kind of hurt maybe his passing numbers a little bit because defenses knew he wasn't really a threat to run this year. Right. And I feel like, I feel like Wimbush is more like Milton in terms of he's more of like a speed runner, whereas like Mac's a big dude. He's not like he's, yeah. he's got some it's he's a big got boy, some yeah. wheels, but he's he's more likely to run you over than he is to run away from you. So we were talking about it a little before the show, but I mean he's more of a, a Jalen Hurst type. Yeah, more 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 ready to contribute as a runner than a passer. Let's just put it that way. Yes. And then the, I mean, Hertz is a little bit bigger, but almost similar kind of body style. Yeah. I guess I haven't seen, I mean, I've, I haven't seen Jalen run anybody over, whereas Max so willing to take, he's Max solid. He's going to take hits and not really be super affected by it. Whereas I feel like Hertz is just trying to avoid some stuff. And then we I talked guess about the, him before Hurts. It's he was. We said what six to one, Heisman favorite, which I get. He's going to Oklahoma, but doesn't make any sense because, uh, like I said to you before we started, I mean, I don't think anybody is going to go into the season thinking it's Hurts, and if you do, you're crazy considering that this season that Sam Ellinger just came off of. Remember, like people, he, it's not Texas even, is back. It's not even about who's actually good going into the year. It's just, well, let's put Alabama up there and let's put Jalen Hurts up there because he's at Oklahoma. Like, it's, they just go with what's trendy and they don't actually, I mean, I'm not saying like Alabama and Oklahoma are bad teams because they're obviously not, but like it's, no one actually does any research. They just go into, oh, what's going to get the most most views. I mean, that's, you've got to go with the, just because of the past two Heisman winners have been there too, that's got to be definitely playing a factor there. Yeah, but like if you put, if you look at Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and Jalen Hurts, that's oh, not even close. There's a clear number three, and it's like insulting to put him like one spot below Kyler Murray. No, that or Baker Mayfield, whoever no whoever argument. you have it too. That's like one A and one B. 
And it's like insulting to have a number three. Like you should almost leave spots three through ten vacant with those mm-hmm. two. I really have no argument with that. Just because, I mean, one just went number one overall last year. The other one's most likely going in the top top 15 maybe. Yeah. And then Hurts might not even sniff the league. Yeah. I mean, Lincoln Riley does an incredible job, but I don't know. Can you can you sustain that for a third year? We'll find that out. Would be, that would be incredible, and that would get him an NFL gig, I would think. I would think so, too. I think that would get him into the NFL next year if he wanted to do that. That's, that's a topic for a whole other day. Yes. Let's bring it back to the a little bit to the discussion we were talking before, and that being because uh, it kind of blew my mind that we bring up the numbers, but being the fact that how does fifty touchdowns not get you player of the year? Right, and he and you know he led the. It's not like he just scored fifty touchdowns and he was terrible. I mean, he was number two in the conference in completions. He was number one in completion percentage. Number one in touchdown passes. I mean, not even Milton, the guy you know we were just talking about, can make that claim. So well, it kind of does was, make. He, he was, just, oh, what was it, fifty nine percent this year? Yeah, fifty nine. Yeah, and almost. And it's we're only talking two game difference between last year and this year. He played, or excuse me, three game difference. So thirteen games last year and ten this year, but almost fourteen hundred yard difference. I mean, that's a good chunk of yardage. Mm-hmm. That basically, we're saying he needs to throw for 500 yards. All th- I mean, granted, he probably could against some of these teams, but uh, that he was not nearly as good. He was still good. Don't get me wrong, but he was not nearly as good this year as he was last year compared to these numbers that you see for for King. So it did kind of blow my mind that he wasn't named the Player of the Year, and it almost makes you wonder why wasn't he? Was it or who is voting on this? Because voting on name alone, team success, or or that was my next thing. It was to say it was team success. I mean, you win at that point, what twenty four in a row, probably twenty five at the twenty five, and that's what you'll get. Right, and if it, that's what's stupid though is you can't use Milton's anything about Milton from the year before. It's not about that, you know. I mean, you can't do anything about it. It's going to happen every single year, but. I don't care about 2017 if you're talking about 2018. Like that doesn't matter. And it, UCF found that out too. Is that people don't people didn't care that they won 25 in a row. It's about what did you do this year? Because like if we start using years before, then I, you're entering a whole different realm of voting. And it's unfortunately for King, that's what hurt him. Even though I mean his he was they were eight and three when he got hurt. And Milton's team was undefeated, so that that's probably the that's the only thing that I can say hurt him because I don't think what King had more turnovers than Milton did, if I remember correctly. I have let's see, they equal amount of equal picks. amount of ints. Yeah, I don't know I mean, how many King, fumbles they have. Yeah, I didn't I didn't write down fumble numbers here and. Considering that King is, you know, was definitely used more as a runner, I'm sure he had a few fumbles here or there. But still, that doesn't change anything in my eyes. I'm right. sorry, that doesn't change the fact that he still scored 50 touchdowns. Yep. Which for Kyler Murray, everybody was going crazy at the number of touchdowns he was scoring, and then well, what was the number for Haskins? It was 50, also, wasn't it? Right. Yeah. So why isn't King getting the same love? Uh, right. I mean, we obviously hyped him up all season long. We talked about all year that Houston's offense was just not getting enough love around the country for what they were doing. Right. Now, some of that was because of their defense, but we can talk. Yeah. Oh, we talked about that. Yeah, exactly. Perfect way to put it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a 
on your happy price, price line. All right. I guess this is the point of the show where let's get crazy. Let's go with some bold predictions, some very, very, very early bold predictions, considering the draft hasn't even happened yet. The combine is this weekend. So I guess I will let you get us started with your first bold prediction for the 2019 season. Which uh, which we have one for each division, right? I have one for a team and one for the conference. Let's just put it that way. Okay, I just I picked one from each division just to I don't know, just to balance it out. I didn't really. I mean, it was tough. Some of them I didn't really have anything bold other than like Houston's offense is going to be good, but that's not bold, you know. Like Memphis is going to be, you know. No, so that's not bold. I have well, I had three, and then I talked myself out of one. Which I'll tell you in a second, but go ahead. All right, so we I think we talked about this the last podcast, the one that obviously is going to get uploaded here once we get the good version. Once Joe realizes that he's good at something. Yes. Recording. <laughs> so my bold prediction, so we'll start in the AAC East. We talked about this last podcast. Is that ECU, your team, is going to make a bowl game. And what I'm going to say, which we talked about in that lad podcast, that it's not going to happen. Do you remember last podcast? Do you want to go through that schedule again? You changed your mind. No, I think it was the other way around. I changed your mind. No, you did not. They play... Gardner Webb, Navy, Women Mary, Old Dominion. Oh, that's and right. And they finished the year. The last two games are Yukon and Tulsa. If they can't get six wins out of that, I will not I will I will be surprised. Yeah, but they have to win all six, right? Well, correct. But okay, they That's why <laughs> I don't that's why I'm on the other side. Alright. You switch, your... You're switching things up again, man. I don't know if I like that. There's no proof of that yet. They could beat USF, too. Don't start that already. <laughs> <laughs> you said we're getting crazy. Yeah, let's... Okay, I guess we are getting crazy. Let's be honest. Is someone really going to pull this out in the, at the end of the 2019 season and say, hey, remember when you said this? Other than you? Yeah. Like if someone exactly, actually does that, exactly. they're... they're that should be enough to slightly worry you, me, embarrass yeah. you. What are you going to do, just roast me on months. a podcast? I'm super worried about that. Why not? You do it every podcast. That's what we do. I'm not worried about it. It's just regular old Joe talk. That's also very true. All right, what you got? Let me hear yours. All right, my original one that I had written down. I had... I originally had that the 2019 AAC championship game would be SMU versus Temple. Wow. Then I smacked myself in the face real quick and realized there's no chance of SMU pulling that off. Came back down to earth. Yeah, then I was just like, SMU is not going to pull that off. Then I You don't believe in Shane Bouchel? Is that the quarterback there? We don't even know that. Well, he's transferring there. Well, I know that. But think, it's no guarantee. I mean, there's no. I mean, he's probably going to take that job. I would assume. But then I kind of, we just had that discussion about Houston and Derek King, so I I just can't see that happening. And I still think Memphis is a little bit better than SMU right now. And then there's also Tulane, so I I talked myself out of that. Then I kind of talked myself out of Temple too, just because of the fact that I, we were the best pass defense in the conference last year and all those guys are gone. Yeah. And I, you know, it, let's just face it, football is passing now. So that kind of so that steered me away from even saying, "Hey, I'm going to predict that Temple wins the conference because that was my next." So, I'm going to go this route. Instead of talking good about teams, I want to talk bad about one. Oh jeez. 
And that you is... You did. You already bashed my pick. Yeah, but that's all right. You're, you're probably going to bash this pick. And I'm going to go with Navy football will finish with a worse record in 2019 than they did in 2018. They went 3-10 last year. So they played 13 games? They played 13 games. They did have an extra game last year. No, I'm sorry. Did they play 13 games this year? No, they don't play Hawaii this year. No, they don't. They only play 12. So they're gonna go. You're saying they're going two and ten, or what are you saying? I'm saying they're gonna go two and ten. I'm I'm gonna. I'll go even. I'll go one step further. Jeez. Oh, no, I won't go that far. Okay. I was they'll say they'll win. Really they'll win getting... two games. They'll win two games. Well, they're probably beating Holy Cross. Well, that's their only gimme game. That's play... the only game I'm gonna give them. That's a gimme. They play ECU, Air Force, Tulsa. UConn. Tulsa's going to be a better team next year. Next, uh, we can throw that in my here. Army oh, there it is. at the very end. Oh, it was on the top part on the page I was looking at. Uh, the only, so here's my two wins. You can probably think of them pretty easily. Holy oh. Cross and UConn, and that might be it. And I have reasonings for it, all right? We talked about the quarterback thing almost all season, and that's not going to be fixed going into this year. They still don't know who their quarterback is. Nope. They got to replace 15 starters. Five of their top six tacklers are gone. Four of their starting offensive linemen. Five of their top seven rushers. And this is Navy. This isn't like a plug-and-play offense. It's yeah, a it system. No, it's not. It's a system. You got to know how to work the system. If you got a bunch of young kids, it's not going to work. There is no. There's basically no seniors on this team. This team is going to be terrible next year, and the fact that they don't have a quarterback, they literally have one player next year, and it's going to be Malcolm Perry. And I feel bad for the kid because he's going to get – I mean, he's going to have a target on him every game. Yeah. I don't know. Didn't, having seniors didn't really help him this year. I know they had to travel halfway across the globe. To well, see, though, that was so – and that was why I made that prediction last year that Navy was going to be bad because they had a lot of travel, and their schedule was brutal. This year, the schedule, it's not that it's brutal. It's just, I just don't see them being really competitive in the conference whatsoever. What do you think their over-under is going to be? Not like what, what you think, it, it you're, not, you're not setting it, but what do you think they're going to get? In Vegas? Will they get three? They'll, get, they'll probably get three and a half, four, just because they are Navy. But anything over four would shock me. Remember when Army-Navy was boring because Army sucked? Yeah. But now it's going to be the other way around. I saw... I saw... sucked and we're okay. Is sucked still an okay word? It's not a swear word, so we're, we don't have to rate our... Yeah, we're okay. Our podcast explicit. You can't say trash, though. Can't say what? Trash. Oh, why? Because that's a bad word. How's that a bad word? Never mind. It just flew over your head, huh? No, I got it. I was trying to get you to say it. <laughs> just flew over your head. That's all we're going to say. <laughs> Dang, okay. Okay. All right, so you're up next. My next one is, I'll let you go because my mine kind of transitions into our next topic, but mine's probably not as fun on the next one. I'm Unless interested. you disagree. Okay, I'm interested to see what you have to say about this one. My second bold prediction is that Derek King is going to win the Heisman this year. Ooh. You like that one? That's super bold. And you obviously know it's not going to happen. See, it's it's bold not because, like, I mean, he's, he's going to do what Derek King is going to do. But... He's going to get held back because of the conference. We know that. But here's the thing. If they... Okay, obviously everything is heavily predicated on his team's success. And that, Well, based on that, because I don't know their schedule, so I'm pulling up Houston's schedule now. So they go ahead. They play Oklahoma to start the year, which is obviously not ideal. But they also play North Texas and... 
Yeah, that's right. They have a they have Washington a real rough State. schedule. If they win if they win out this year, there's no reason why they shouldn't be in the playoff. No, absolutely no argument there. But you think they're going to beat Oklahoma? Did you think they were going to beat Oklahoma in 2015? Probably I think, not. No, but I think I, I mean they I'm were ranked trying. 15th, so that's a big difference, but oh man. You got me thinking now. Here's the thing. Uh, Oklahoma's defense was awful this year. Okay. It's, it's not like the it's not Houston's like, defense was okay, almost let me, UConn let me, I'll wording. get to that. I will get to that. So we're talking we're just bashing Oklahoma right now. Even two years ago when they made it to a playoff, the their t- defense was like average at best. I mean, and so and then their, you, their you, defense is never any good. Let's just be real. And we and then we just talked about Jalen Hurts and how we weren't sold that he was going to be the next great thing. So they're probably going to put up points because yes, Houston's defense is bad, but Houston also has a different coaching staff that might help a little bit. Okay, so that's actually I was just thinking in my head: does it? Does it though? Does it? Hurt King that his first game under this new regime is against Oklahoma. Like, I think we could both agree he would much rather have, because I'm looking at the schedule now, he would have much rather had to go Prairie View to get things in order and then go to Oklahoma. I mean, yeah, maybe. So but... at least he has a game under his belt. You know, they can, because, I mean, we both know this. Nobody really knows how things are going to happen until it's game time. Right. So, and, and like, in general, playing it Oklahoma, gives at least gives him one game to like you know that would have given him one game to Dana to fill out King King to fill out Dana as opposed to right now they're going right into it. Granted, you can make the same argument obviously on the other side, but we well, have to both say that Oklahoma at least talent wise, recruiting wise, is better on both sides of the ball. So they have that advantage right away. Yeah, and I would say that Oklahoma's fine because they played Dana Holderson the last however many years he's exactly. at West Virginia. So, so they just pull up that tape and, you know what I mean? So nothing right. changes. Right. I mean, they have to obviously scheme for – you're obviously scheming for Derek King, Marquez Stevenson, Keith Corbin instead of Will Greer, David Sills, and Gary Jennings. So that's that's a little bit different. But And I like I was going to say – any other year, like playing Oklahoma in general, obviously is not an ideal first game for a lot of teams. But when you start diving into this Oklahoma team, it's it just feels like it's different. Like their O line took a couple of big hits because they lost guys to the draft. They're not getting like Rodney Anderson isn't coming back. He went. He's going pro. Hollywood Brown has gone. Granted, they have C.D. Lamb. He's gonna be he's gonna be really good. Kyler Murray's not there, and it's there's no guarantee that Jalen Hurts is gonna be another Baker Mayfield. Kyler Murray, he's not. So I, right, like we just talked about. So it's not. I mean, it's not super far fetched to think that they have a chance to win. And then when you throw in those other two games, North Texas, which Houston should win that game. North Texas is good, but. If Houston is where they should be, they should beat North Texas. That shouldn't that, be a problem. That, sh- that should be a fun game. Is Mason Fine back one more year? Yes, he is. So that should be a fun game to watch. Yeah. And then Washington that State, game. that'll be entertaining. That's that's in Houston. Well, it's in Energy Stadium, the Texan Stadium. But still, like that's going to be a good oh, game. That's Houston. So if they're 4-0 after that, that's – buckle up. Well, then, if they're 4-0 after that, because – Conference schedule for them, if I remember correctly, isn't that rough. No, I don't. I don't believe so. Now, I don't know if you just saw the the message in our podcast channel for Slack, but we got to step our game up. Why? Butch Davis just offered other Joe a seafood dinner the next time he's in Miami. Yeah, who, what what coach is gonna even? Well, the, first of all, any coach that we talk to is going to have to fly us on his private jet to wherever he is just to have dinner. Whoa, I don't live that far away from Annapolis. Kenny Amatola. You just said eat? his team is going to go 2-10. I don't think he's buying you dinner. Ah, 
damn, okay, you got me there. But still, I'm going to be honest. I'm telling the truth, no? I was honest about his team last year, and I was a little bit right. Yeah. People don't like honesty, as we have found out. People don't like when we're right, either. Exactly. No matter how much you say or ignore what they have to say. All right, let me give my final prediction. And like I said, I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily a bold one unless you think the very last detail that I'm going to bring up is. So what has been kind of holding the conference back has been the money. So my bold prediction is going to be that we will get, we being the AC, there will be a new media deal after this season. And they will get $10 million a school. A school? $10 million per school. That doesn't help UConn's deficit. Well, that's their own problem. Wow, 10 mil. That's the number that the conference is shooting for. Ten million. I've seen that. Uh, when I say this, this means that they will have a new deal with ESPN. And the numbers that I've been kind of seeing is anywhere between seven and eight million. But I think that they're going to get that ten million dollar number. Wow. And my reason is justified. Obviously, football. You know, football is the driving force. We know that. But with the problem with the conference football, you know, we've kind of talked about it. ECU has been bad. UConn is really bad. Um, you know, sometimes they don't. You know, the the main thing that's kind of drawing this conference back, and we've talked about it, is that not every team is super competitive. Once that kind of happens, that we're going to see you know this conference rise a little bit, and that starts with getting this money, obviously. But I also think what, and we don't talk about this because we are a football only podcast, but the basketball side, I don't know if you really are following a little bit of the basketball side, but between Cincinnati, Cincinnati's a very good team. Mm -hmm. Adding, adding VCU was a big thing. Which, which state was a big thing. Not VCU. I'm sorry. VCU. They actually replaced Temple. Excuse me. But, you know, the basketball side of things in this conference, I think is going to help. The commissioner, who we've had on the show, be like, look, anything under $10 million is not acceptable. Considering that they are, and we we just went on that big spiel about Oklahoma, and, but we think that they're on par with the Big 12. So, and the Big 12 is getting, I think if I, I didn't write this number down, but I think they are getting 20 so why isn't the AAC getting at least ten? Uh, well, I think this is going to transition into our next point, but that, that I told you before to show it would, but yeah, exactly. It's it's how they do against the Power Five conferences, and it has to be like Houston against Oklahoma and Washington State. Like those have to be wins or close losses. Cincinnati against Ohio State this year. That has to be a close loss. I don't think they're winning, but you can't get, you can't lose fifty-two to seven, because that just oh. shows how much of a gap there is. Like you have to make it competitive. Well, and so the two schools, and that's and that honestly might be what we need to pay attention to most, and that is what's going to happen with UCF. Because a lot, you know, a lot of these power conferences kind of looking at them for both programs, and Cincinnati again for both programs, and Houston, honestly, I mean Houston, uh, at least a couple of weeks ago, I don't know if where they're where they're ranked right now, but they were a top ten team not long ago in college basketball. Uh, Cincinnati has been a top fifteen to top twenty team basically almost all season long. So they're doing their part on, and then you know, Wichita State has been that magical team for years. My alma mater ranks fifth all time in wins in college basketball. 
uh, UCF has the kid Taco, who just loves swatting every ball away. So, I mean, I I think they need to use that more to their advantage because the problem that we're seeing, and I guess this is where I kind of a little bit segue into the next thing is these schools are losing money in attendance because everybody wants to sit at home and watch the games instead. And that's why I personally think that like, if you're, you know, if you're the AAC, you go get your money in this media deal. And if you're ESPN, they, they can't not give it to you. That's the way I see it because they're totally deserving just because this, this conference is proving in at least two sports that you have to put them on TV. UCF football has to be on TV right now. Right. And I mean, Houston, right now, I mean but... let's go with the argument. Houston, Houston football the past couple of years you know, has to be on TV. Memphis, we talked about in the last podcast, you know, they have been arguably the best team in the conference the past five years. And while they've seen a, a decline in attendance, they have seen a rise in revenue, which is which is almost weird in its own right. But a lot of schools have seen that too. Like attendance is going down, but they're seeing money. They've seen the money come in in streaming services of things of that nature. And I think that's why ESPN is ultimately going to cave and they're they're going to get ten million dollars a school, which will be huge for. For you, I mean, UConn's case, whatever they screwed themselves. I don't know what they're doing. How you go eighty million in the hole? I don't understand. I just don't understand that. But for a school like ECU, I do think that's good. For a school like Tulsa, I think it's good. Mm-hmm. For a school like Navy, I think is really, really good. Granted, Navy gets the money from CBS also, so like they will, and they have Navy has their own crazy thing you got to work out. But I also know that the conference is or excuse me, Navy has agreed to work with the conference to get a deal with ESPN. Because right now, Navy games are only on CBS Sports, if I remember right. Oh, and you're and a big fan of them. Yes, I'm the biggest fan. Tells you how many games I'll be watching this year. Watch them lose. <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> way to get me out of my train of my thought there. Anyway, so but Navy has actually agreed to basically help out the conference saying, hey, look, like we are willing to put our games on ESPN, which is around the country is kind of like a big deal because that also, if you think about it, that Navy brings in the a lot of viewers out of the country as well. So, yeah, that's my big spiel for my reason why I think they deserve the 10 million to dollars in the new media deal there you go you didn't tell me if you agree or disagree though like i i told you something about yours well your predictions are no good mine are the best whatever you're all talk this one will get aired so it'll be out there for everyone to hear 10 million dollars of school make it happen i mean yeah, okay, so if I agree Mr. that... Resco wants to get back on and help and wants us to be his campaign leaders in this, we will do so, by the there way. There we go. The thing with that is I agree that those teams need to be on TV. because I mean, two years ago, the Memphis-UCF... I mean, even this year, the Memphis-UCF games were incredible. Like, they were entertaining games to watch. And... Uh- and the war on I four, what was it? Two years ago, was the highest rated game ever. Right. Not ever, but that I mean, for that season at least. Yeah, and, and the, it was a and it was an ABC game. And the thing with that too is, like UCF, they they I will give them a lot of credit. They were prepared for this run, like their students were showing up to games, and when they were on TV, it was loud. But you can't say the same thing for Houston and Memphis. I mean, Memphis two years ago, their the Liberty Bowl was packed because they were really good. This year, not so much. Houston, I mean, Houston played against Texas Tech, and the stadium was like half full. And I don't know if that had to do with the fact that it was like a hundred and ten degrees, but that's like that's gonna be the biggest thing is they're gonna get these deals. They need they need 
people to show up to the games because nothing kills a buzz of a game like having a stadium half half full at most, which Houston struggled with that this year. And then this is, I mean, perfect segue to the whole Memphis AD coming out this week or last week, I should say, and admitting that Memphis's attendance has declined for the third year in a row. And I also think it's kind of shocking that they're willing to admit this because a lot of a lot of a lot of people will try to hide this number. But it said that this year that they were averaging 30,000 fans, which has been their lowest number since 2013. But if you look at the number of tickets that were actually scanned, it was only 17,000. And yeah. that's and that's not good when you I mean when you have some you know these bigger conferences 30 I mean 30,000 game is I'm I'm just thinking of like you know the big house and and Penn State and Alabama and LSU you would never hear a number so little like that and that's the difference but I also think that's part of the reason and it kind of ties back to what I said is why they need a better media deal because I mean this is not just a pro or excuse me a problem in college football like attendance is down in every single sport at any level everybody would much rather just sit at home and watch the game when they can do it I mean rising ticket prices you want to drink two beers that cost you twenty five dollars almost a day. You know, these days it's just the the prices for a game right now are out of this world. Now, hopefully, uh, not to go too far down a different rabbit hole, but maybe what the Atlanta Falcons started at their stadium, lowering the cost and realizing, oh, hey, lowering the cost is going to make us equal if not more money just because we're going to get more out of it but maybe we see more teams follow that motto let's lower costs on everything else to draw more in well but you got to cater it more to the students that's well if there you go if you're a broke college kid and you're going to a game i'm not going to buy a six dollar hot you know what i mean like sometimes these hot dollars are like four or five bucks you go to a game when I'm a college kid, we're like, hey, dollar hot dogs is what I'm looking for. Right. And, like, it's, yeah, it's the students are the ones that are going to ultimately drive that experience. And you see that with UCF. Like, they have they have student sections on each end zone. And, I mean, granted, there are alumni and there are people in the area that will come to games. But if you're a school that has a ton of students that is your take like that's the key to making a good atmosphere is getting those kids to want to come and watch your team in person and not on a TV or to go do something else and then i guess this is a time we can kind of talk about as in the conference as a whole not every school in this conference but a lot of these schools they don't have their own stadiums which kind of hurts them a little bit like i, I mean i mean i'm speaking for temple like, they don't have their own stadium. So, like, I remember, I mean, I went to just about every game. But, like, there were some people who were like, man, I don't feel like. And, and there's only, like, a 10, 15-minute train ride, but they don't want to do it. Yeah, because it put, you put that out of their day. Yeah, but you put that thing right on, you know. It's not even that, you know what I mean? Like, just in your mind, it's like, oh, it's X amount of miles away. Whereas opposed to, like, if it's on your campus, you just walk right there or whatever. And you do it. And, I mean, that's that's almost the same for just about a lot of these teams in the conference. They don't have their own. And I don't think that helps them much. No, it definitely hurts them. I mean, I went to school. I went to a school where you had to, if you wanted to go to a game, you either had to have a car or you, you walked half an hour just to get to the stadium. So, like, that's not going to help anything. And we we actually asked uh, Commissioner Oreskes, uh, excuse me, wow, I just really butchered his name there, Commissioner Oresco about this, and I mean he really was really non-committal about 
on-campus things because it's more of a school thing is what basically the answer he gave us. But it really, there are things that the conference can do to really help themselves out. And the, bring it back to the media deal. I think that's, that's a big thing because they need more coverage as a whole. Not just football. Like I brought up earlier, but even the basketball programs, I think they should be getting more coverage too. And then it starts with, if they get that number, that $10 million number that I was talking about, we're not talking about ECU being like the bottom feeder in, in recruiting anymore either. Cause let's, let's, that's been the problem with, with that I've had with ECU. They're not getting the big, actually, I mean, we talked about this in the last episode and it didn't get aired, but like they, you know, they bumped up in recruiting this year, but they're not getting the, the bigger names. I mean, they're losing some, to FCS schools and things of that nature when they could be big in, bringing in bigger guys. So, so money makes all the difference. And this deal just needs to happen in order for them to take it to the next level. I think this deal matters so much more to the, the smaller schools than it does to the bigger schools, to be honest. Yeah, because it's got, I mean, money, like you said, money is everything and when they get a little bit of help, that's. I mean, so like for like a school like Houston and Cincinnati, another ten million dollars. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong, it helps. But these schools are, they're, they're doing all right as it is. But when you're those schools like a Tulsa, and even you, you know, UCF is still a fairly new school when you think about it like they're they haven't been around that long so like this money helps them do things in their own i mean they're still trying to build up the population granted their population right now is arguably one of the biggest in the country but they're still trying to make themselves bigger than what they have been in years past houston's doing this you know houston's trying to find a way to make themselves more nationally known and putting another $10 million in their pocket and being on ESPN more. I think that will be the big thing is making sure they're on the network more because all these other conferences are signing with other networks. So getting more exposure on ESPN, which let's face it, everybody watches that network more than anything still. I mean, you can right. have your you can have your opinions, whatever, you know, it's gone down in recent years. It doesn't show enough sports it's too much debate whatever blah blah you hear all those conversations but at the end of the day everybody still goes to espn for their for their major sports news i think at this point so signing up with them as others are not as committed to them i think is a huge deal yeah i would agree i can't i can't argue against that and then I guess to wrap up the whole Memphis talk, he kind of made it known that you know, it's they're almost struggling to find opponents that want to face them in future years. And that might be the conference's problem moving forward. I don't think that I think moving forward, the, the media deal is not going to be the big issue. I think it's finding teams willing to play the AAC knowing that they can lose. That those be, me talking about those power five schools being afraid to play like, like he said, they're afraid to play Memphis because they're actually a solid program. So, and they don't want to jeopardize their resume, whether it be in college football, because one loss in college football really changes everything. And same thing in college basketball, you can make the odds argument too well we saw i think it's funny because the the fans and all these these teams from like the sec and are like oh we're not we're not afraid to play you guys but we're not going to do it and it's like well if you're not afraid what like what do you what's the point of saying that you know and 
Well, Alabama would rather play Mercer. Yeah, and I, I don't know. It's hard because, like, if you are Alabama, you're playing, you're playing good teams all year, for the most part. So why would you want to add another one that's going to jeopardize your chance to make the playoff? But if you really believe that you're the best, then you should probably be playing the best. So I don't know. Well, what blows my mind is it's always like that week. Like, okay, if they're playing Mercer week one, two, three, one thing. But, like, they played Mercer, like, week 12, the Citadel week, like, 11, 13. And I'm like, why? But does it matter when you play that kind of team? Yes. Be- I, I, in my eyes, it does because, I mean – most schools in the country are doing it in the early part of the season to basically, you know, like a practice game, like we were saying about Prairie View earlier. Alabama's, I feel like, almost purposely doing it in the back half of the season to use it as a bye week. Which, I mean, I, to me, that's no different than, like, at the, to like your point to Houston, they should play Prairie View first. So that they can get, like, it's kind of serves the same purpose. Like, one, at the beginning of the year, you're getting chemistry for your team. So you're basically telling that opponent, hey, we don't really care about you. We're going to kick the crap out of you so that we can figure things out. And Alabama's just saying, hey, we're going to kick the crap out of you so that we can rest our guys. Like, to me, you shouldn't be playing those kind of teams, period. It doesn't matter when you play them in the season. I won't make an argument to your last point there, but I also think there is a huge difference in so like most of the country, let's just say ninety five percent of the country plays their out of conference games and even that that cupcake game in the first couple weeks, for some reason Alabama keeps scheduling on the back half of the season. And they're really like I mean, we can one day, I'm not gonna say we're gonna do this right now, but most teams in the country aren't doing it. For some reason, Alabama just has made this a recent trend, which I don't understand. Well, they're not going to change until they start struggling. Like, even if they miss the play- playoff one year, they're not going to start scheduling a better team than an FCS team just because they missed it one year. Like, they're going to keep doing what they're doing because, one, no one else is really doing it. There are a handful of teams that are, but everybody else is still scheduling FCS teams, so why can't Alabama... And they're still doing enough to make the playoffs, so they don't really need to change. That's the problem. I guess my more of my argument should be that kind of like maybe the NFL did, make it so that your last six weeks of the season are all conference games and not these cape or cupcake games that Literally, I mean, just a hiccup on your schedule where you, oh, well, this other team is just collecting the paycheck and we get the rest of them guys. And basically, they're, I mean, I don't want to say it's cheating, but I mean, they're, they're resting up using a bye week that the rest of the country usually want to get to afford. And you're Alabama. There's no reason to be playing Mercer. Play Alabama State if you want to beat up on somebody. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Play, I mean, just another, play ULL. Play, you know, play a Sun Belt team if you want to. Don't be playing FCF teams when you're freaking Alabama. Yeah, seriously. I mean, I don't think any FBS team should be playing an FCS team at if you're talking those top five conferences and the AAC. Like, there's no reason to. Especially the AAC, like, that's not helping your cause. And I get that it goes back to who will play these teams, but, like, you shouldn't be playing an FCS team if you're trying to make a move up. And we're, well, I guess we could talk about this for a little bit then. But we're seeing that the conference as a whole wants to play better teams, but to kind of go back to what we were almost saying is those group. Their power five teams, I should say, they don't want to play them. Like, they won't acknowledge them as the P6, but at the same time, they're afraid to play them because they know they're right there. Right. 
but maybe all that, I mean, maybe again, to bring it back to my argument about the, the TV deal, maybe that makes all parties more interested because those SCC network that it's ESPN, let's, let's face it. So maybe we're going to see more of these SCC versus AAC games. I hope so. I hope so too. And the more, I mean, because they're, let's be real. The SEC is going to pound them at first, but the more and more they play each other, the more and more might eventually level itself out because the more upsets that come in there, well, the more is going to help our conference too. That's true. All right. I guess on this note, I do have one more thing I want to talk about because we're not sure if that last episode is going to get out. AAF football features a lot of guys in these conferences that we've talked about. My question, we talked about it, so I just really want to ask you one more time. Will this be a league that makes some kids skip college football and go to the AAF, AAF hoping to go to the NFL? And I already know your answer because based on last time. And my answer has changed since. What was your answer last time? I said possibly yes for bigger names, just because of the financial, basically because of the financial incentives. So, like, why why do I want to go to school and do all these classes when I can just basically go to work and collect a paycheck and rent it? Yeah, I said no. And you said no. Now. I still say no. We're three weeks in or four weeks in, whatever it is. And so this was like when we had this, it was a uh, gut reaction the first week. And the first week, they did all right. Second week, we find out we don't even know if they can pay the players. Third week, third week, I'm starting to realize it's just not fun to watch. I mean, it's football, which is kind of yeah. Like, oh yeah, it's football. So like, I, I think that's semi- their claim to fame, though. Yeah, it's football. Yeah, like literally, I think that's what it is because now that it's there were three, four weeks in, I'm like, this isn't any different than watching college football. I'd rather watch college football. Oh, and that's the thing. I'd rather watch college football because those college players, yeah. The, they're not getting paid, but they have more of a hustle. Like, I'd rather watch Northwestern Nebraska than the... I'd rather watch I'd rather watch UOL versus... Name another... What's another Louisiana school? ULM. ULM, compared to some of these pro, pro games that we've been watching. And it's bad, because I like... I mean, it's good to see some of these guys... If you're a college football fan, you know you you recognize a lot of these names, but at the same time, like I'm realizing why some of these guys aren't at the next level too. Yeah, like Christian like, Hackenberg. Right. Well, I was gonna say the plotter Trent Richardson, averaging a solid 2.5 yards per carry. Dude, they're undefeated. Oh yeah, and he leads. Um, well, like my. Just to use the same thing that my buddy friends. They're undefeated, and Trent Richardson leads the league in touchdowns. Yeah, he's averaging 2.5 yards a carry. Like, I could follow in the end zone six times from three yards out, too. Could you? Fall? Yeah, I could fall forward. I don't know. that. that you're, just, you're just assuming that you have good blockers. You'll be in front. Yeah, you're going to get less than that. You'll get negative yards. You don't want me in front of you. Well, I got Gabe. Gabe, Gabe will block us. That's, that's okay. That's Now we're going somewhere. There we go. What about uh, Eric? I think Eric's pretty jacked. Let's uh, put him on there. I don't know. Anybody else on our staff, big boys? 
Gabe's got them all beat. That's for damn sure. Yeah, I I think Gabe wins. Yeah, Gabe's got them all beat. We got to get him on this podcast soon. We definitely we, will. Yes, we do. Actually, maybe maybe we'll maybe we'll do that on the next one. Actually, we'll talk about that. We will we'll see. actually we'll bring. Yeah, that's a good idea. Bring him on, and we'll talk two of his buddies from Memphis since the combine is this weekend. That's right. All right, I guess we uh, went a little further on this episode than we initially attended. We thought this was going to be a short one, but we always do. That's true. So I guess this is the point where we wrap it up. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Underdog Podcast. Make sure you're following us on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe. On however you're listening to this podcast, leave us a review. And we are excited to be joining the SB Nation Network, actually. I I guess we should kind of break that news. So we're excited to be joining that. So, yeah, me and Joe aren't just average Joes anymore. Maybe we are. Yeah, we're still average. We're still average, that's for damn sure. Who knows? We'll never know how good we truly can be. You're gonna be maybe, seeing our maybe maybe this year we will. Maybe that's that's our bold take together is that we'll be above average. We'll see you guys on SVP show in like six months. All right, guys. Mm-hmm. On that note, again, thanks again for listening to the Underdog Podcast. I'm Joe Serpico for Joe Brovac. Sign for $10 million, Commissioner, please. Make me look good.